How yeah. you feeling? Real good. Excellent. Yeah. I feel like a big fat fuck. Yeah, I saw on I saw on Twitter you uh, you saw the uh, upside or uh, sideways eight for on your scale yeah. when you jumped on the scale. Yeah, that means infinity. <laughs> my scale <laughs> told infinity me. Weights. Yeah, my scale told me that my ass stretched beyond all reckoning. That's too bad. I uh, I jumped on the scale at the Y two days ago, and it's actually the lowest I've weighed since I joined the Y back in August. So I was I feel pretty proud of myself and. Feeling great about my body, feeling great about my life. Yeah, that's funny because I jumped on the scale and I started yelling out why. <laughs> the scale broke. <laughs> Just, it smashed. <laughs> I got smashed after I fucking <laughs> stepped on that thing. Yeah, that's why um, we're at the bar tonight. But Yeah, but life beyond me is is pretty good. Uh, the wife is good or whatever she's doing. I don't. I, we don't really talk yeah. much. Uh, kids are good. Kids are going snowmobiling for the first time tomorrow. That's fun, Grandpa, which is pretty cool. Four-year-old snowmobiling. Four-year-old snowmobiling, yeah. Um, well, I hope, well, hopefully we get both of them back. Yeah, tomorrow. I actually, yeah, hopefully you get both of them back. I have a funny story about, you know, maybe dying on a snowmobile. Do you? Um, yeah. So my uncle, uh, my dad's side, my godfather, um, he, he used to be a professional snowmobiler. Like he would literally race. I didn't realize that. You like could drag get paid race, to do that. drag race snowmobiles, like on the lake. We used to go and like watch him, and was just like, "Where's Uncle Tommy? Oh, he's he's that that." One on the left, and they would, you know, shoot a gun. They would shoot across the the fucking lake. That's and why then, they went so fast because there's somebody <laughs> shooting at them. Yeah, it was. He apparently has like he had like when he was still doing it, he had like world records in snowmobile racing, which Jesus. is a thing, which is like the quintessential Minnesota thing to have a world record. To even have in such snowmobile a thing, yeah. racing. Yeah. Um, but uh, one year, so we used to go to my uh, my uh, grandparents on my dad's side for Christmas Eve. Uh, and my my uncle fashioned a snowmobile like racetrack. They had a big a big ass backyard and house in Forest Lake, and so he fashioned a like a snowmobile like racetrack, like a motocross racetrack. Um, and he had some smaller snowmobiles that he owned. And we were you know me and my cousins and my sister were you know we were taking turns racing and racing and going around the track. And one race I'm racing against my sister. I was probably eight. She would have been six. Uh, or she maybe just turned seven because she's 18 months younger than I am. So she just turned seven, eight. We're going around the track, and it's like you know the last like the last sort of turn around before you come to the finish line. It's like you know kind of a bank an embankment. Um, she swears to this day that we were going around that embankment with, with neck and neck, and that I kicked out and kicked her off her snowmobile over the embankment into a pine tree. Did, did you do that? I did not. I swear to God, I did not kick my sister. Intentionally, <laughs> so, so is I she like still there? She's just wrapped around uh, that tree. There's a little no, memorial no, in front of the tree. It it is not. She she was fine. It, we're obviously all wearing a bunch of snow suits, so she was she didn't was hurt not hurt at all. We did Christmas afterwards because that's you did you do. good Minnesotans. You do Christmas after you get kicked into a pine tree. I think oh, that was heartwarming. I think that was when the snowmobile racing ended at the uh, at the Zeller household. We didn't have any snowmobile racing after that. That one particular incident. Back in 1990, you so. didn't want to set the world record for the <laughs> the most pints of blood shed in a family vacation. No, no, uh, not definitely not. Well, so that's a very sweet story. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Live from 
Fitzgeralds in St. Paul. We are the Daves you know. This is the Daves I know. You want me to be that type of dude and I want to be who you like me to but we both know I can't do nothing at all. Agenda. Testing. Testing. Unique New York. Agenda. Recording. Agenda. And action. Banter. Banter. What do we say? Okay, so here's banter. Yeah, uh, by the way, for the people at home, we have uh, speaking notes, and it always opens with the word banter, as as if we won't know what to do. Yeah, we don't know exactly what to do. fucking instruction to banter. I want to to apologize that we didn't have a podcast last week. We, We actually... We literally recorded one last week. We really did. And yeah. then your life got super fucking busy, and at yeah. some point the audio got... Maybe the audio was corrupted from the get-go, and yeah. we just had no idea, yeah. but at some point the audio got yeah. corrupted. It was unlistenable, yep. according to you. It Dave was. Martin is, is, the, is the brains behind this thing, and, and the financial well, clearly muscle. clearly not. Yeah. <laughs> the brainlessness I'm, Well, you, I mean, you are the one who actually edits the shit, and, uh, and is that the is financial true. muscle. I'm just... I'm the beauty of, of this thing, so... Um, <laughs> yeah. And also the beast occasionally, sometimes. So, so yeah, we apologize for not having. We did. We had. Oh, I thought it was a pretty fun podcast last week. I thought it would have been robust content. Yeah, we had a lot. Of, I I bitched about Coutinho a lot, but you know, Coutinho who doesn't matter Coutinho anymore. Who? It doesn't fucking um, matter anymore. But yeah, we're gonna get this one up, and we're gonna get this one. We out will. But before we do that, banter, right? Yeah, banter. I want to throw this out because your oh, yeah. story about your snowmobile thing reminded me of a story. It's not. It's not like the same story, but it just reminded me of it. That when I was probably like uh, five or six, my brother's one year younger than me. He would have been like five. Um, we we ended up going to this like shitty. My whole family went to this shitty roadside sort of carnival thing because mm-hmm. we couldn't afford to go to Valley Fair then. <laughs> so we wanted something a little more affordable. So we went to this place, and uh, I remember really well. They had like a go karts thing, right? Which for uh, like a six seven year old or whatever I was is very very cool. Oh shit, yeah. But now it was manned by this like ultimate carny dude. He, uh, like, had super long hair. Uh, he had all the wrong amount of teeth in all the wrong directions. And he only had one leg. The okay. Dude had, uh, like, he didn't even have a peg. He just had, like, one leg. And he's just getting like really Lieutenant good at hopping Dan, around. Like yeah, l- Lieutenant Dan shit. Such, before. A Lieutenant Dan situation before yeah. Dan was a thing? Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> okay. And uh, so w- me and my brother are going to race. And um, so <laughs> my... My brother has no idea what he's doing. He's younger than I am. He's got to be like five. And uh, so he just gets in there and he just slams on the gas immediately. And in doing so, he's still like hooked on to other cars. Like he starts fishtailing. He gets hooked on to other go-karts. And now he's taken off dragging these go-karts <laughs> down the fucking like lane. Un- un- unoccupied go-karts? Yeah, just, so yeah, just, just empty go-karts. and he's Because dra- he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. Yeah. And he's dragging them along. And this poor carny dude with one leg starts hopping after him as fast as he can go. And he can't catch him. He's just hopping and hopping and hopping trying to get my brother and fucking <laughs> rescue him. I'll never forget uh, that image. It, was, it wasn't funny at the moment, and since then it's been the funniest fucking thing. That's oh, I'm ever sure, no, I'm sure it probably would have been fucking hilarious yeah, at the moment. I mean, poor, well, I'm sure for my parents it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Not for the poor Carney. I'm sure that Carney probably tells that story. Like, remember, remember that time when that little shit <laughs> just took off and uh, took like all the go karts with it? Right. 
<laughs> oh, that poor I mean, they're carnies. They're probably probably not carrying insurance, so he's you know he's probably fucked. <laughs> what? Really? Yeah. No. Yeah. He, he. No. He had yeah, a especially back then. HMO back, through yeah, his uh, back in the back in the nineties. You know, yeah, yeah. so early nineties. All right. Well, that's um, my banter story. How's all right. That? Well, that's that's good banter. We've bantered. Good We've banter. Bantered. But you know what? We got some more banter that we can do here because we're going to talk about um, some good stuff. Unfortunately, Minnesota United continues to not give us the kind of news that we would <laughs> like to be able shit. to talk about. There's but, there's um, a little bit of news, but it's nothing play related. Not and really. So. There's some no news is news kind of stuff. Yeah, kind really. of news. So like, yeah. So, so we'll talk about that a little bit. But um, before we do that, I want to start with um, a few happier tidings. Everybody who listens knows that we oh. are uh, Scousers. Oh. Just follow Liverpool. Obviously, this last weekend we got You'll the thrill of Liverpool and Man City, um, the, Zell- the Zellberg Derby. The Zellberg Derby, yeah. Uh, your your wife's a big Man City fan. She You're is a Liverpool fan. She is. I, I uh, maybe we can talk a little bit about like where we watched this, and then sort of talk about our you know our experiences of the of the uh, of the game. I watched. Um, and yet you were invited. You were unable to come because of kids and stuff, right? Yeah. Or okay. So I watched it at um, a new uh, a new soccer joint um, in the North Loop, uh, the basement bar. It's underneath uh, Nolo. It's right next to Cuzzy's. If you know the shit ass dive bar Cuzzy's that I typically go to after going to shows or something, you know, at two o'clock in the morning. Um, it's right next door to there. Uh, Scotty uh, Stevenson, who you heard on the podcast that we had a couple well, a couple months ago when we did our our thank you podcast. Um, former owner of the Nomad. Not uh, former bartender. Not, he wasn't former the owner. Bartender. Yeah, he was like yeah, the soccer. That's a good point. He was like the morning soccer bartender. Yeah, you're he's got a new joint at the the, the basement bar. Um, he's a big Man City fan as well. Uh, and I was literally there with like I think every Man City fan of drinking age in the city, but for uh, but for Jamie, I think it's the only one who wasn't there. Oh, sure. So sure. Was, I was outnumbered by Man City fans. There's a couple of neutrals, or a bunch of neutrals, and then I had my friend uh, Joe and his daughter, uh, his two-year-old daughter, were there. Uh, they're, uh, she, he's a, a Liverpool fan. Her allegiance is yet to be determined. I'm presuming it'll be Liverpool All if right. she, you know. So yeah, so it was an interesting experience. Um, it's a really, it's a really cool venue. I think Dark Clouds actually might do some stuff there. Um, I think they're going to do some stuff for World Cup and stuff. It's going to be great. Anyways, uh, watching that match, that ox, that first ox goal. I just I lost my shit. I literally jumped, the, maybe the highest I've ever jumped in my entire <laughs> life, <laughs> like into the air, fist pumping, and, and I was like, I got calmed down, watched the replay. I think, like Jurgen Klopp and I did the same jumping and punching an our insane air, punching animated, our, yeah. uh, our fist into the air motion. Um, so yeah, that was that was amazing, and I was just like, all right. We got this. We got this. Why don't you tell me, like, how, where were you watching this game and like, yeah, is see it, all this? Yeah, I was. I was at home. We tried to get as much sleep as we could, uh, but anyways, woke up. Uh, kids were kind of half watching with me. You know, they're just getting to the age where they can kind of follow or they think they want to follow it. You know, so Benjamin wanted the blue team to win, and Natalie wanted the red team to win, and so Fuck I was kind of, I was kind of, <laughs> yeah, I was kind of trying to narrate what was happening, and I'd get excited for them when something worth getting excited about happened. I'd look, look at this, and so they were, they were getting that. You know, Benjamin asked me why the goalkeepers keep falling down every time the ball gets <laughs> shot at them, which is a fine question. I don't know a lot about, a lot about goalkeeping. Um, and so, you know, at the end, obviously, and we'll get to that, you know, Liverpool uh, is a commanding lead, a great 10 minutes of football. It was a hell of a lot of fun to watch. 
And then we sat down to lunch. Man City starts sneaking back into it. And even the kids were just like, oh, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. You're going to lose. <laughs> so that was that was Actually, cool. I do love the kids have, like, a, like, like the rivalry. Like, the one's just going to pick the like whoever the other That's That's for. just it. There's, yeah. there's no legitimate loyalty. Yeah. It's only antagonism among each ben other. Ben was that's just like, I want the blue team to win. And Natalie just said, I'll take the red team then, basically. Yeah, basically. Okay. That's cool. Although, although. I, sweetest moment for me right now is when I told I told Benjamin that we were playing Manchester. Liverpool was playing Manchester, and he said Manchester United, and so he, <laughs> he knew that there were the two clubs, and that now I'm explaining to him that they're different, and that was a cool little moment. That's, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's cool. So, and anyways, that was our experience yeah. watching that. Well, that's that's great. Um, I was yeah after that first goal. Um, I and then of course it's just. You're a Liverpool fan, so it's like just tight buttholes the entire game. You always know that just you can give tight, it right back. Tight, yeah, tight sphincter. Like, a, like being a Minnesota sports fan. Exactly. And, yeah. then, and then, of course, uh, Leroy Sané, um, a terrible giveaway uh, by Joe Gomez. Uh, Sané, Sané gets the goal and, you know, comes in, takes the shot, beats Karius uh, near post from a ridiculous angle. I don't understand how you don't you do not stop that shot. It it boggles right. the mind. Liverpool needs like they I mean both Carius and Minule need to be out. They need I really God I God I, I really well, hope we go after Donnarumma. Well Minule has formally been put second on the depth chart. Oh yeah, now. no, so Carius is the keeper. And yep. for I for the for the system that Klopp wants to play, Car- I mean Carius is probably a better keeper. Like um you know, Carries is more in sort of in that Ederson mold where he's going to be able to distribute better. I mean, Minule's a better shot stopper, hands down, period. Like, Minule's a better shot stopper. Um, but for the type of system that carry, that uh, Liverpool, that Klopp and Liverpool want to play, where they need distribution, Carries is, is, is the man. And um, I don't know. I mean, everybody's talking like, well, we need to get a keeper in, in January. Well, all the, all the keepers that we were going to get in January – that would help us are already like European cap tied. Like sure. we're just gonna have to we're gonna have to fucking suck it up, live it out this year with Mignolet and Carius, yep. and hope to God that we can outscore every team four to three. Right. Well, <laughs> so this is a team that could do it. And uh, but yeah, can we can we talk about the uh, that like nine minute stretch where they scored Liverpool scored three goals there's not too much to talk I mean not all of our listeners are necessarily Liverpool fans either I don't want to uh, overload on that but just to say that it was euphoric because against this team Man City whom you and I have said in the last couple of weeks is obviously hands down the best team in the league yeah. the, the the title is a foregone conclusion um, and not only are they the best team but uh, the goal differential is doubling up the second place team's goal differential yeah. and the, 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 they have 20 more goals than the next uh, goals scored than the next following team which is us you know yeah. 15 or 20 yeah. more goals than them outstandingly good and we were better on the day and that's pretty cool I, yeah i just want to say uh kachin who um yeah i mean Coutinho, it, yes. that's 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 the joke uh obviously Coutinho is, was a, a vital piece of liverpool for yeah. a long time and in and i i've read some like some liverpool blogs and listened to some podcasts or like basically saying the same thing like Coutinho, Coutinho, who like Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. Whatever, you know. Fuck that guy. I don't... I mean, for this particular type of game, um, Ox does exactly what Klopp wants to do. He's going to go back. uh, He's going to, like, dispossess the ball. He's going to bust up field. He's going to be in that attack. Coutinho doesn't like to attack. Um, 
that's not where his strong suit is. Now, when you're when you have a, a team like City, which is basically they're doing the exact same thing that we are. Um, on on this day, they didn't do it as well, but you know, ninety percent of the time they're going to be doing it better than their opponent. Um, Coutinho would have been, I think, would have would have hurt this team because he's not he's not primed and and wants to attack like like Salah, like Mane, like Firmino do. Um, but against a team like Stoke, who's going to bunker in, Coutinho can actually like he's a magician. He can actually break down defenses with his yep. dribbling. Yeah. Um, so obviously, yeah, we didn't miss Coutinho this weekend against right. Swansea next, on Monday. I mean, Coutinho would I mean, would be a guy who can break down uh, right. a, a defensive team that is, well, maybe not Swansea. Swansea's shit-ass defensive team. But, like, someone like Stoke, um, yeah. someone like Burnley, yeah. who are who are well-coached defensive teams and are just really, like, all they want to do is, like, sit and bunker, absorb pressure, and then counterattack. Coutinho is actually someone who actually break those down, get yeah. those long-range, uh, you know, long-range shots. Um, but... but but the Firmino goal, Mane like hitting the post and then scoring within the same minute yep. was fucking amazing. And then let's talk about Salah just beating Ederson. Long. Oh yeah. Oh my god. Every time he does something, it's it's fun. And uh, oh my god. Uh, Salah, by the way, has more goals himself than Swansea has as a team. So we should win, I think. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Salah has more goals in the Premier League uh, right now. For a season, then uh, Gerard or uh, Torres ever had. Like he scored more goals in a, in a, in a single EP, uh, Premier League season than some of the best players that Liverpool's ever had. Like any, it's still it's January. Still. Well, let's take a deep breath on Torres. <laughs> so, but uh, obviously Gerard well, he is was, uh, listen. Torres the face was, of Liverpool. Torres was one of the greatest. Like when he played for Liverpool, one of the greatest Liverpool players ever. When he left Liverpool, not so much. Yeah, but, his career took you know. a shit turn. But anyways, um, so can, can I can I wrap up this part of the conversation just by asking in general, is the EPL race more realistically open now that Man City has lost? Does Liverpool start to are they in a position to be asking some tough questions, or was this just a really euphoric weekend that ultimately is a blip in the radar of a um, team that's just too damn good? I don't know about a blip in the radar the the the, the EPL is a foregone conclusion okay. um, unless I mean unless uh, some pestilence befalls Man City and they lose half their squad I mean it's, we've seen so this what Liverpool showed here I mean people are saying this is the blueprint to beat Man City maybe yeah probably you know there's how many teams can actually play this blueprint in, in oh, the right. in the world Maybe we, three other teams. Right, right. If the blueprint means to be stacked with attacking talent, yeah. Okay, I guess that's a well, fine stack blueprint. with attacking talent. Um, but just fucking run at them the entire right, game. Right, right, right. Totally disrupt like Ederson and his distribution. Like his distribution was terrible this game, and that is not a typical Ederson performance. Um, I mean, so yeah, so yes, yeah, so is this a blueprint to beat Man City? Sure. Who can do this in in the rest of the world? Um, maybe Barcelona, maybe PSG. Um, you know. Real Madrid last year, Bayern. but probably not this year. You know, Bayern, like, you think this year? So it's so it's not so Man City's not losing in the league. Does this you know? And I think this actually only just like like they needed to. I think Man City needed to lose a game in the league um, because this gives this also gives Pep now an opportunity to rotate his squad for because 
honestly, I think the, their biggest focus now is Champions League, and they want to win Champions League. They sure, want to do sure. at least a double. Um, you know, if not the quadruple, if they can. I mean, they're in the they're pretty much into the finals of the Carabao Cup, um, and then they're still in the in the League oh, Cup. So, so losing here gives you because if you don't lose here, if you win this game, you got to keep putting out the best possible squad every week. There's an invisible pressure to continue that. Kind yeah, of to run, isn't to there? to. To top the Invincibles, you know, right, right. Uh, of Arsenal. Um, so losing this game is actually, I think, is, a, is like a is a relief, like a pressure relief valve for Man City. And um, and listen, like they didn't go down without a fight. Like they kept playing their their same game. Like they could have they could have packed it in. They could have said, you know what? After the Salah goal, they're down four to one, 68th minute. There's only you know what 25 minutes left with stoppage time. They could have been like, you know what? We're, we're, it's Anfield. This is our bogey right. bogey ground. Um, spare injuries. That's going to pack it in. Yeah. yeah. But no, they fucking kept going, man. That's and, pretty cool. And they that almost, says a lot. They, yeah. almost pulled a, they almost pulled a draw out of nothing. Like that free kick from De Bruyne with Kuhn diving. I mean, granted, he was offsides. And hopefully if he, that goal would have went in. He would have been called offsides. But knowing right. – knowing, Knowing Liverpool, it wouldn't yeah, have right. been. <laughs> well, you know, so. I, I want to I transition the conversation then because we've joked before on the podcast and now today that about being a Liverpool fan. And when you're a Liverpool fan, it's never, ever out of reach for the other team. You know, um, There's another fandom uh, that would share that sentiment <laughs> that I want to talk at least briefly about here, and that is being a Minnesota sports fan in general, including a Vikings sports fan. So you and I were lucky enough to be together here at Fitzgerald's to watch the Vikings game we were, I, last week. A, a rare non-soccer <laughs> uh, outing for us. Yeah, I mean, we. I can't even remember when the last time we watched, we, we were together, we weren't talking about soccer or soccer-related yeah, things. Too few times, um, but I'm glad we point did. Of, point of order, we will be doing our Demolition Man uh, commentary track podcast very soon, hopefully, yep. maybe even this weekend if our schedules can align. But yep. but yeah, that'll be coming very soon, so that'll be another non-soccer-related related <laughs> thing. But that'll be nice. Yeah, um, yeah so you and uh, your wife were on a date night. We Yeah, you and were, we made this our date night. We offloaded yeah. the kids. Um, and, and so that was and we, part of the reason I couldn't offload them in the morning. I had to offload them for the afternoon, yeah. so I couldn't make the Liverpool game. But um, So being a Minnesota fan, and it, they even showed it right up to, you know, as they were training field goals and stuff down the stretch there, they showed the low light reel, if you want to call it that, of like blown Minnesota playoff kicks. People who have been Vikings fans for long enough know that there's more than just those blown kicks too there's yeah. you know there's losing to the giants 41, 41 to nothing. Donut, yeah 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 exactly <laughs> and there's there's other you know there's they didn't even show the the overtime saints game from 2009 ish oh yeah. you know where where brett Favre had the bounty they didn't yeah. show that they just showed some blown kicks we know all those blown opportunities so yeah. who in this bar didn't sit there thinking we know this script. We've seen it play out too many times. So it was a it was a fun atmosphere in here. Like Certainly, almost yeah. like the first half was great. Obviously, I don't like. I think I've watched. That was the first full professional football game, American football game I've watched all year. Like I've caught bits and pieces of games, occasionally Vikings games. If I'm at my parents' house for something, like I'll catch like maybe a quarter. Or I'll be in and out of rooms or whatever. I'll catch a little bit. That was the first full match I watched this year. Um, you picked game, the right one, I guess. Yeah, and you know it was happy. It was happy. It was me and I was actually still wearing my Liverpool jersey. Right. And yeah. it was and it was still sm- like smiting a little bit about about the Man City. About Man City. Yeah. Um, she to the she now is she says like I don't remember what like, 
it's a great thing that happened on Sunday evening. Like, I don't know what happened in the morning. I was kind of blacked out. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, but you and your wife were here. Uh, Mo Karazi, um, yep. we've talked about, and I think he's actually been on the podcast, uh, was here. And just, you know, it was a, it was a packed. It wasn't like, you know, asked the to right tell, amount of people. But yeah, it was just a good amount of people. Yep. And then the first half was great. We were drinking, eating. It was awesome. Yep. And then, uh, and then the second half started. And started to get a little testy. Yeah. Then, yeah, you could just, as the Saints were doing their things, they were scoring, they were stopping Minnesota. You just feel like the this, buttholes the entire, puckering. Yeah, buttholes puckering. Yeah. Uh, the sphincter tightening. White knuckle sphincter. Uh, White knuckle sphincters. Yeah. 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 Um, and it just it kept getting worse and worse and worse and like the. Yeah. Like it was you know the after at halftime it was just loud and people were talking and chatting and having fun, by like the like middle of the fourth quarter it was yeah, just it was like miserable like no one was talking yeah we weren't even talking to each other we we're just kind of like looking like yep they're really they're gonna they're, they're gonna, gonna, gonna it. fucking yeah. do it they're gonna do it mm-hmm. again they're gonna fucking do it again, and then yep. they kick that field goal to go ahead and everybody just like yeah. loses their it's shit like, all right all right yeah we're doing it and then immediately you know, hand it back yeah um, Saints go back down they kick that field goal to go ahead. 25 seconds left and everybody was just devastated and yeah. i mean sure if you're listening to this podcast and you're from minnesota even if you're not if you're this is this podcast you live in the united states you've seen all the videos of people just losing their shit yeah that was yeah. exactly what happened that here. was what this bar was yeah. yeah just random strangers hugging and stuff i i was so blown away and it caught me so off guard that as, as that catch and run was happening I was it, it took me a couple of seconds to, to figure out what was happening because I thought there must be a flag. I thought there must be a couple of safeties or something waiting to tackle the dude. And as he just kept running and nothing kept happening, no flags, nobody coming after him. Like I, It took me like a full five seconds before I joined in the crazy celebration because something was wrong. Yeah. Maybe that's just where I, I'm at as a fan. I, I yeah. Again, like I said, I, I grew up with the Vikings. My dad... Um, it's a huge Vikings guy. He was a season ticket holder. So I used to go to the Vikings games all the, you know, not all the time, but like, you know, probably once or twice a year, I would go to, like, sure. he would take me to a game. Um, he shared him with a buddy of his. And uh, so I, you know, and I, you know, grow up and I was just like, yeah, it's football hoops kind of shitty and I'd rather not uh, support this and with the concussions and all that shit. So, so yeah, I've been, and I was just like, this year I'm just like, I'm just, and actually for like the last, like I said, like three or four years, I'm just, I'm not invested in it. Yeah. But like, it's so hard to not. Like get invested when people are cheering and oh all. yeah, it's, it's, like, a, it's a crowd. That's why, like, rush. that's why I always love bringing people like people who bitch about soccer being a boring ass sport. I was like, come to a game with me and watch yeah. this game with me. Get swept and you're away. Gonna, in it. You're gonna you're gonna get fucking invested. But I, I don't even remember what I did after. Like I, yeah, again, I was kind of the same way. I was like, there, this is this is. Roger Goodell is gonna, you know, call from above and be like, "Nope, there was yeah, totally, there was totally a pass interference, offensive pass interference. He pushed right. off. Uh, you know, game's over. Run, run the clock down. All that. Um, but yeah, I was just jumping around. I, I really hope I hugged and kissed my wife because I basically and you blacked hugged out. and kissed me. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. That's good. I really good hope enough. I also yeah. I also hugged and kissed my wife because I basically blacked out and, just, and I watched and I was literally watching. All of the like the compilation YouTube videos of like of the Vikes fans who just lost their shit. I, like, yeah. like you don't get you don't get to experience that often where you're, it's just like no. a, a complete um, sense of euphoria. Yeah. This very same time, 
collectively across Minnesota. And so, you know, leading into, so I'm, I'm, of course they're probably going to get blown out 41 Donut in yeah, Philadelphia. That would not be shocking. <laughs> so, but, but you know what, this, that, that moment, yeah, I'll, I'll take that moment. That, that was when I'll remember. So. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think, how do you think the game is going to go this weekend? Um, man, I have no idea. I, so I, like you, I'm not, I, I don't know enough about it. I'm not invested enough uh, with it, but the team is a defense first team. And that is especially helpful in the playoffs. I've yeah. found when I, especially obviously when I used to watch it a little bit more that, um, when it comes down to it and teams start to sometimes make more conservative decisions in the playoffs when everything's on the line and it becomes as much about not screwing up as it is about going for broke, you know, um, I find defensive teams have a lot of success and we had a scary good defense this year. Yeah. If we can keep it up, um, then I think the sky's the limit. Yeah. So soccer fans and pundits and people like to talk about narrative all the time. Yeah. Yeah. The narrative. So there's like, you know, there's like several different narratives going on. There's like the, the Pats like winning their sixth title narrative uh, with all the Brady Belichick bullshit. There's the Jags. Um, I don't know if you watch the Good Place at all on on, on NBC. No, I don't. Okay, if you don't if you don't watch the Good Place, stop this podcast. Go watch all of the Good Place. You can watch the entire first season on Netflix. It's this amazing show. Um, one of the main characters is a is a Jacksonville Jaguars fan, and when he's doing crazy shit, he just Instead of yelling like, ah, or whatever, he yells, Bortles, because he's a huge Jacksonville Bortles. Jaguars fan. <laughs> Anyways, I'm not, I don't want to spoil any of the show. Watch The Good Place. It's uh, by All the right. guy who created Parks and Rec, Mike Schur, um, Ken Tremendous on Twitter. <clears throat> uh, anyways, so the Jaguars winning it would be fucking bonkers. Um, you know, Philadelphia's never won a Super Bowl, so that would be cool. And the Vikings right. winning a Super Bowl after everything that's happened to them at home mm-hmm. would be just be the ultimate narrative or sure. or the vikings losing the super bowl losing their i think it would be fifth super bowl that would be at home fifth. would also be, be an interesting narrative that would be so a new <laughs> a new more crushing way to do it than we've ever found <laughs> so to do it before i feel like narrative wise i gotta say the vikings are gonna win this game and then something's gonna happen it's probably gonna be terrible but it might be delirious and awesome and we're, we're in the cities and it just you know might burn this fucking city to the ground which i'm <laughs> i'm all right with so uh let's let's move on from the american football talk and yeah, talk yeah. about some minnesota united stuff yeah so. i think we got to trudge on over to this topic so um so here, here here's the ground rules all right we're gonna talk minnesota united now are you ready for a couple of ground rules sure Can you handle rules so it's probably gonna keep me focused <laughs> so look it's it's okay to be depressed about this okay because there's a lot of negativity that's all rightfully earned here. But rather than saying 25 minutes of basically changes on the wordings behind the phrase, fuck this team, <laughs> let's at least try to spice it up with a couple of yeah buts or a couple of, well, I think this might be what they're trying to do, or at least even in the depression, let's try to steer it in some like, well, I think this is how it's all going to shake out. Let's do more than just say fuck you for 25 minutes. Is that a fair rule? All right, that will be hard, but sure, it, it, it may fair. be hard because this is this is basically what we know right now. So, so obviously Franz pa- Pangop, I've pronounced it a thousand times, a thousand different ways. Uh, first, first of all, let's start with this. Not, I mean, I think it's basically non-news. He's not actually joined the team yet. There's actually a report that said he he had not even signed with us. That came out today. It seemed like that was more an issue of 
remaining eligible for African competition um, and waiting for international clearance to open it up. It doesn't sound like he's actually like reneging and just never going to join the team at all. This dude. <laughs> It seems like a non. Sorry, I I I gotta break this rule for like break your immediately. Rule. This fucking it team. This it feels fucking very team. I don't think this is a United. They thing. announced. Well, no, it absolutely is. If if United, if if they if they were like, no, we want we need to sign him, they would have said, no, he is. We're signing him. He's done playing for his team in Cameroon, which he was playing for his fucking team in Cameroon. So, I don't know. I mean, this fucking team, but. Continue. I Sorry. Know. Like of all the grievances you could have, I think that one's a low grievance. I mean, we're gonna. I think we're gonna get the dude. So, um, okay. A- anyway, so we we believe there's a second Cameroonian coming. No news on that. We can I? I, I just jump in one one second. So, yeah. um, on the fifty five one podcast, Chief uh, uh, pointed out that that this is probably the 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 not the guy that they were actually targeting. When they were went to when they were in Cameroon scouting in Africa and, and around the uh, the continent there in, in, in Cameroon, that this is probably a, a guy that was jumped onto their radar, which I guess is that, I mean, you know, we want to take uh, make lemon, you know lemonade out of lemons. Like it sounds like they're actually scouting and they saw something in this guy that they thought right. uh, was intriguing and worth uh, you know worth assigning. So I mean, you know, we, we we bitch about we don't the, this front office is. Uh, tight-lipped to a fault because right. they definitely should be telling us a hell of a lot more since they don't do shit. Um, but I mean, actually, I think I, I think to uh, Schieffer Decker's point is that it, it that's actually that's an encouraging sign. Like whether they're that is successful and doing it correctly, that's a whole other thing. And and right. their track record has not been great in no. that in that regard. But at least they're they're actually scouting people because this guy was not on anybody else's radar. It's not a well-known name that people. I mean, we just did that thought exercise about a month ago and we came up with a bunch of names right right so like it's not a, it's not a, they're not it's not on someone else's radar so like should that should count for a, a thing i guess well let me so I, i'm gonna skip around points here because i want to follow up on your point so yeah that that does matter you know that they they saw something again we don't know how he's gonna turn out um but that's a sign of flexibility and adaptability, which is positive. Now, the other thing, and we kind of, I, I at least intimated this last week on the podcast, the hidden podcast that no one will ever hear now. Um, it's easy to spend other people's money. And we like to joke when they say ridiculous things like, uh, hey, how about a new player? And they're like, hey, we're spending money on a stadium. We're like, fuck, you run your team. You know? Uh, now, my thought is this. $200 million out of pocket for a stadium, $150 million dollars. Uh, uh, not out of pocket all at once, but for the MLS expansion fee, we we understand um, uh, Bill McGuire to be less than a billionaire by his own admission, if that's to be believed. Um, now, $350 million of investment right up front out of somebody who is, hold on, just don't interrupt me. Just give me the chance to finish a thought. That's Now, of course, there's, a, there's more diversity in the investment than just his own pockets, so that, that matters, but... It, it all adds up to me to say at least that we don't necessarily know the spreadsheets. We don't know the balance that they're playing with and stuff like that. Signings they make might come from a spot that they're already in the red, depending on how you want to factor it. Now, MLS signings are not tremendous. They're not expensive. But um, they might be coming from a place that they're already kind of deep in the red in some ways and stuff like that. Um Maybe when we joke about them being in a financial position not to sign players and say, just sign them, sign them, 
we don't know how grave the situation financially actually could be. I mean, it much be it might be a lot steeper than we think. But of course, the team can't come out and say, "Hey, guys, we're fucking broke." So, I, I'm just saying that maybe that's a possibility. And the only recourse they see, at least for the near term, is to play some money ball, which they haven't played very successfully so far. But maybe, maybe that's a dead serious strategy and not just a public tiptoe around the question. That's no, that's <clears throat> that's a fair. That's a uh, uh, a fair and very generous uh, reading of the situation. Well, don't mistake me. That's not my full reading. I'm not saying that's exactly what's happening. I'm trying to say where could this be coming from? I understand. I understand. Okay. And I think I think where where people like clap back at you and where I where I would and I know you're slightly being a little facetious here. You, but I think you generally also believe some of that argument is that I mean you think about the Taylor. The Carlson uh, poll ads. Uh, we found out at the supporter summit uh, last week that uh, Johnson, the Johnson brothers, are in on this yep. supporters group. This team is not lacking for financial wherewithal. Bill McGuire is the, is the face of this organization, and he can say, "Oh, you know, I'm only worth, you know, eight hundred million dollars. Like this three hundred fifty million dollars is is really gonna, you know, like I I can't, I got it, you know." Number one, uh, fuck you. Uh, That's you know tough to plead poverty. Yeah, I, I will say that parting ways wouldn't... with more than a third of your net worth would be difficult for anybody in any situation. But yes, it's not all his. Fair enough. But yeah, but and here's the thing: is like he's. I mean, he's not. He's not. He's not. He's a majority owner in that. I think he probably. And again, we don't know what what the actual percentages look like. We don't see the books. We right. we will never see the books because. MLS is a, is a cabal pro rel for everybody. Um, <laughs> not actually true, um, but he's definitely not fronting all of the money for you're, this you're thing. You're right, right. and it's so. not it's not cash out of his pocket that is that is happening. So when when they cry poor, when they when they cry um, that they can't fund compl- like fully fund the, their MLS hollow. academy, and that they need people they need parents to pay in to the academy so that they can their their kids. Can play at U12, U13, U14. This year, U15. I think they're trying to start at U11. If you can't fully fund your fucking academy, I, I and I get it. Like they're spending a shit ton of money to build that stadium. That is, that is probably the the biggest sort of out of pocket cash expense. Well, outside you, outside you of the roster, a, you need a bubble as well because those kind of projects always run over budget. You never know when you're going to need again. Not just not just I'm a billionaire, but you need liquid money. Mm-hmm. If it's tied up in properties you own, you can't just part ways with those properties tomorrow no, of course. And, that's, and, and turn it into and that's, cash. And that's why that's why I say yes. That is that is definitely and you know that that um, that MLS expansion fee is is in installments. Um, I mean, even yes. the, the, the paying for the the uh, stadium is not. You're not paying two hundred million dollars out of pocket. You're doing that. As things are coming up and, and, and doing all the the building, so right. I get that. Paying your roster, you got obviously got to pay your roster. You got to pay your front office, your staff, all that. That's all cash that needs to come out. So I get I get all of that. Like, like not being able to, to fully fund an academy where the best players that this team could recruit the best players in the state to come play for their fucking academy. Which is free of charge, which is a, an investment itself. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, part of the I mean, part of the problem we can talk about if we want to talk about USSF and 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 the presidential election that's coming up, we can we can dive into that. But that pay for play is a, is a big thing. For me, honestly, like 
pay for play is is much more of an important issue to me and coaching uh, licensure costs is much more important issue to me than fucking pro rel like certainly fuck the pro rel if we can lower reduce the reduce it and lower the cost of getting a coaching license mm-hmm. at this you know you get you get much you know better coaches like listen I'm we're talking about having kids soon and I want to want my kids to play soccer mm-hmm. so I'm like yeah I'm gonna, I want to get my coaching license it takes it costs $75 to take a like a three-hour online course to get your just your very basic like e-level or I don't know what the hell it is coaching license to coach like three to five-year-olds right like that's insane like that should just, that should be free like any parent because it's you know because it's mostly parents coaching at least it has been in the you know in the the wild wild west past that should be free you should be able to like Take that class. You need you should be able to like need to have that class. That class should be free. You should be able to take it. And then it costs like thousands and thousands of dollars to take the you know the as you move up in the in the levels. And I think that I mean that is that is bonkers. We we got off topic. No, no, this is all important so, stuff. And I, I think accessibility is not just a matter of making uh, the talent pool that we have better. Um, by making it more accessible, but it is also, for me, a matter of holding true to the principles that FIFA and USSF and CONCACAF, everybody down the chain, purport to be interested in. Yeah. It's everybody's game. It, it's kids' game. It's, it's about yeah. bringing people together. When it becomes a class system, you're not yeah. holding that up. And it's also, I mean, part of the, part of the, like, the reticence for teams to not fully fund their academies is that... Um, in the U.S., like if you you bring up a player, you get you bring them through your system, and then they go to another club, um, like you don't get you don't get any sort of compensation for all the time and right. money that you invested in that player, right? Coaches' right. salaries, uh, coaching certification costs, mm-hmm. things like that. I mean, that is a that's just a standard thing around the world. Like right. you if you're in the Barcelona academy, and you maybe fade, you know, you 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 know you sort of or not even like say let's let's say. You're in the Southampton Academy, right? Um, you come up through that academy. Uh, Liverpool buys you. Um, you so Southampton Academy gets a cut of the transfer fee um, to reinvest into their program to right. continue to develop youth. Um, that player goes, you know, you know, uh, gets sold on to an, a bigger club, say maybe to a Barcelona. The the, the academy so. Obviously, Liverpool takes a, a majority of cut of that transfer fee, but the, the academy that cr- like uh, helped craft that player gets a cut of that still. Like so, there's you know there's um, an incentive to invest in young players, right. and invest in good coaches, right. and invest in good facilities, so that you know U.S. So because U.S. it's we're not for lack of talent. Like this country creates soccer talent now at the sort of like rate that say Iceland or England or you know other countries do probably not but it's because like there's no there's no incentive for Minnesota United to invest you know a million dollars into their academy because well if the player decides at the end of it you know his academy he doesn't sign the homegrown contract he's like you know what I'm gonna go I'm gonna go over to Werder Bremen or I'm gonna go well to wherever there's there's no benefit to Minnesota United so they're like so I think there's some some MLS clubs like FC Dallas, um, uh, Atlanta has seemed to invest in their academies. They're investing in their academies, um, and even even so, like, even FC Dallas has lost some players because 
you know, there's there's like, you know what? Actually, I'd rather I'd rather go play in, in Mexico or whatever. So but even if they actually make the MLS club, if you end up selling them on for the MLS club to another country, MLS itself pockets some uh, like a certain I can't remember the percent like 30 yeah. percent of the extra money that you make so the team yeah. itself that as you've already put it developed them from a youth up to an MLS quality player succeeded in MLS and now is selling it on a huge credit to MLS out in the world that they're producing yeah. this talent MLS is the ones pocketing some of that money not and, even the team itself and that, that belies another problem is that MLS doesn't play young players as much especially sure. young American players because for I mean, there's myriads of reasons, but one of the reasons, again, is you're right. It's, it, that's that's part of it. That's and I, I think that's not an insignificant uh, an insignificant part of it is that um, there's no. I mean, if, if Minnesota United could develop a player and sold him to, um, you know, Sunderland, yeah, Sunderland or whatever, and 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 made you know several million dollars off that player, well, great. But you know, like I said, a third of that or whatever it is goes to MLS and yeah. goes into the pockets of the of every other owner in the league. So, right. what incentive do you actually have to develop players yeah, uh, other than, especially if you're not going to play your fucking uh, young players, right? Like, so, like, the it's insane how many, uh, you know, like people, like players, like um, Andrew Carlton, who played in the Atlanta United Youth Academy. Tore it up in the U20 World Cup. I don't know how he got barely any minutes in the Atlanta United's uh, team. Like right, right. a great, he's a great player. That, that kid's a prospect. That kid is gonna do better things than MLS. And listen, we love MLS. MLS is the league that our players are in. But our best players should be going and playing in other leagues, whether that is in Europe, whether that is in Mexico or South yeah. America. It doesn't matter where it is. They should be going and playing in better leagues on better teams, and that should be the ultimate goal of any club in MLS, Minnesota specifically, uh, for this podcast, is that you should be developing talent, you should be selling that talent. Um, you know, Youth clubs around the country should be reap the benefits of developing the talent that they help create because it's not cheap, mm-hmm. especially here in the U.S. Like, it's not cheap to play soccer because, you know, we have the stupid pay-for-play system. Yep. You know, get rid of that. Uh, help. I don't know. That's sorry. End of rant. No, we've. I think that was a fruitful place to go. Obviously, we got away from Minnesota United. Um, if I'm bringing it back to United, the the one other bit of news that maybe tangentially ties into some of this is that we we learned from an Andy Greeter article that I, I think at least three Minnesota United Minnesota United targets had slipped away, not been signed, uh, for various reasons. I'm, so, I mean, what's who? your take on this? So, so I, I, I mean, here's my quick reaction. If you're offering more money, you make yourself an attractive place to play. Um, there are other things that are not tied to money. The prestige of this club, which is low, um, and, and probably ties a bit of a complex reputation with this team right now. Um, the I think the allure of living in America uh, is lessened. That that um, if there if people were coming to America even to play for a lesser league because of the allure of living in America, I think some of that shine is worn off over time. I think that matters. Um, so, A, what do you think is behind that, that we can't secure the targets we're after? And, B, what do you think we need to do to actually make meaningful moves? Because it sounds like maybe, Lord knows, maybe you and I are wrong. Maybe these have been really decent targets, but they haven't closed on them. Maybe the team is trying harder than we've known, and it hasn't panned out. So what do they need to do to make it pan out? Um, 
you know, I... Anything that Adrian Heath says, I take with a gigantic-ass grain of salt. I'm sure Adrian Heath was, was totally in on Perry Kitchen, right? Like, going hard after Perry Kitchen to get Perry Kitchen to come to Minnesota. Um, Perry Kitchen was never coming to Minnesota, right? Um, so he... I, I'm I'm very I'm very dubious about any about any uh, article that talks about player movement that quotes um, a, a you know a, a sporting director or a, uh, a coach head coach um, especially with the track record that this team has mostly sure. because and and I'll explain that mostly because they can say you know Adrian Heath could text. Perry Kitchen and just say, hey, we'd love to have you in Minnesota, and he would consider that, that, yeah, he reached out, that yeah. he was a target, they he was slipped, someone. Slipped through Manny, the system. Yeah, yeah, Manny could do the same fucking thing. I'm actually more, honestly, for me, I'm more curious about what uh, sports agents say when they're talking about, like, whether, you know, wh- where the moves possibly could have been. Well, and when you get Their job like is that. to create some artificial fucking it smoke is as well, stuff, but, too. <clears throat> but no... Right now, at least, no sports agent worth their salt is going to say, "Yeah, Minnesota was all was all in on that thing. They were they were going for it." Unless Minnesota was actually all in going for it, and their client decided, "You know what? I'd rather live in, in L.A. than Minnesota." Which you know, whatever. It's Minnesota in the spring and summer and fall, which is like the best times to live in Minnesota. Best times to live in this part of the country, anyways. But so I'm I'm a little dubious when when Adrian Heath is like, "Oh yeah, we were all, we were all in on on five targets and." They, they all five, all five chose another place. Right. You so, know, and and you know, if that's the case, um, drop some hints somewhere. You know, like just everybody is so dubious of of this front office, and rightfully so, mm-hmm. uh, and this coach. Like, give us some give us some ideas, some hints of of you know, you don't have to say names, but like what kind what kind of a player then? You know, we can extrapolate. We're not idiot soccer fans. Like we know what's going on. But they this you know, and that's their prerogative to they don't have to give us anything if they don't want to and, and it's but it and would there's also nothing be, holding them accountable to not just blow smoke. It, it would also behoove them just to to you know, give us a little bit of an idea of the, the of the kind of player that they're targeting. Like cool, you targeted some players but you didn't get them what 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 kind of players were you, were you targeting were you targeting forwards were you targeting more wingers um were you targeting some central defense fullbacks what were you like what kind of players were you targeting give us a sense of the plan like, yeah we, you don't we, need to mention the target we literally have no idea what the fucking them, plan like, is you know yeah so, so so here's here's my last question on this topic and then we'll we'll kind of close it up and move on to questions here obviously if they're as I keep saying, if they're blowing smoke, then there's nothing to say except fuck this team, right? And that may be the case in fuck this team. But it's also, that's also not very good listening yeah. for a podcast. So here's my question then. If there's any truth to it, if they made reasonable efforts at targets and they haven't been able to secure them, what can Minnesota as a team, as a location, a destination, a culture, what can we do to make ourselves a more attractive target to draw people here is it only just to up the offers and uh, you know that that we're willing to make in terms of finances uh, do we need just better people more persuasive people in the front office to make the case i mean oh, man 
I, I fully do not buy the argument that people are not going to come to Minnesota because of the of, because of the environment or because of the weather, like and, weather? And, okay. and all the all the things that everybody say said that for the longest time with the Twins like you couldn't you couldn't pay up someone enough money to come play for the Minnesota Twins and it's like you know what you're fucking playing from you're here from April until October right. like the good months. Yeah, you, you're not telling me that if you gave if you gave someone you know a hundred million dollars a year they wouldn't come here. Of course they would. So yeah, yeah they certainly also money is literally the <laughs> thing you can give people that will cause them to get e- over those exactly. Objections. So so yeah, I mean ultimately if they if they are literally looking if they are looking at people, um, sure they could blow somebody away. And and for the right person, I would say yeah, blow them away. They that person still might not come to Minnesota just because of preconceived notions of of what they think Minnesota is and I mean it's a hellscape it was 40 fucking degrees outside today guys it was you know it's We're January okay. 18th it was 40 fucking degrees outside yeah. so it's not the hellscape that everybody thinks it is um, I mean part of it is gonna is is having to establish I think that this is probably the part that is holding Minnesota back the most right now is that um, this it's not a good culture of winning, sure. even though this team has won before, but not in MLS. Um, most of our wins last year were, you know, honestly, like, you know, weak insides. Um, I didn't think, you know, looking back or thinking back about the team, like, of you know, of our, you know, our 34 games, we were probably the better side in maybe like 10 of them. A couple sure. of those we lost. So those we won, we were the worst side in several games that we won. Sure. And, you know, we just managed to score the goals and they didn't. So, so there needs, they needs, there needs to be a culture that's built. Um, there needs to be a cohesiveness between the front office and the manager. And I don't think there is. I mean, I think we hired Adrian Heath to play us in, and Adrian Heath basically said, I want to play this way. I want to play this certain way. Um, this is how we want to play. And I think, the way this roster was uh, was originally constructed at the beginning of the year, signed players who did not fit that system and did not right. want to play that way. Uh, and frankly, kind of continue. Even though I think we made our team better with signings throughout time, I don't think they seem to be geared toward a particular philosophy. Either. Exactly, exactly. And so it's like, so there's a disconnect. And if you're a player and you're looking at, you know, you're making your next move and maybe you're a younger player, right? You're a 19, 20, 21-year-old potential DP from South America or something. You're looking at, you're looking at what Minnesota... You're looking at what Minnesota United has done, and the disconnect between the front office and, and the in the in the manager. You're yeah. like, why why would I go go there when I could go somewhere else, right? I think so. I think there's it's just a, it's a whole litany of factors, and you know the only way you can fix that is by I mean you know they're probably gonna have to go bargain basement hunting. I mean one of the craziest fucking things they said is that they wanted they were gonna have a, a DP in 2018. Well, I guess. They still have the the summer transfer window right. to get a DP. I mean, Chris Wright said that he had they were at the sports event, and I mean, someone correct me on Twitter tomorrow if I'm wrong, but I believe he said that they had they would have two players coming in this window who are be playing in the World Cup this year. Well, the Cameroon team is not in the World Cup, so I I don't know who those two fucking players are unless he was talking about the two Costa Ricans that we have now or the one Costa Rican we have now and somebody else and somebody else so I don't know it's uh, 
don't know. What do you? I mean, I just sorry. Rent it again for five minutes. What do you no, think? You, no, you 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 said all this stuff, right? It's um, I I do think that if so, we can't help the weather. So fuck dealing with that. We can help the amount of money we spend. Um, we don't get to look at the books. Uh, maybe I'm willing to uh, give more rope than you are where some of that stuff is concerned. But the team can't realistically expect to compete until it's willing to we, spend. We do. And we do frequent the rope store often. We do, right. Right. <laughs> and, uh, you, have a, and, uh, you have a lot of extra rope. We oh certainly. <laughs> the uh, um, now the team itself, they might be trying to moneyball the situation again. Let's pretend that they're broke as hell. Because they're just pouring it into MLS fees and stadium. All these really good costs. And, and $100 million in charity. Who the fuck knows? Let's give them every weird benefit of the doubt, right? Okay. Um, they don't have the talent to moneyball their way into wins. They don't have the front office talent to be able to sniff out that kind of diamond in the rough shit, do the analysis, and then all of a sudden come from behind and, and do a Oakland A's kind of situation. You know? um, so they either need to pony up the dough uh, or we're just not going to have success. Now, in terms of actually uh, luring folks in, as long as they continue to be in a cycle where they're underspending on talent, whether they think they're moneyballing in the right way or it's just a desperate inevitability because they're broke as hell. Again, I'm just extending these weird benefits of the doubt there. No matter what the circumstance, they're going to continue to lose, perpetuate an atmosphere, a culture, a perception among the public and the rest of the world that you don't want to be here. You want to be a part of the galaxy. You want to be a part of sporting. You want to be a part of Seattle. Instantly recognizable. A culture of winning. Coaches you want to play for. Teammates you want to play alongside. If we continue to moneyball, whether for good or bad reasons, we're going to perpetuate that problem. And then we're not. We're going to have a limited ability to continue to make those signings. If we're willing to give the right value for a player, not blow them out of the water, way more money than they deserve, but we have at least a good, solid offer. The idea of playing for Minnesota as a negative concept could tip the scales in the wrong direction. So I think we don't have really any cards that we can play to overcome the challenges that face us unless it's spending a shitload of money because you cannot reverse the trend of being a shitty uh, squad, culture, team, coach that you want to play for unless you, it's like affirmative action, right? Break the cycle. Start slamming down that money and you can overcome it. But that's a long process too. Now, I mean, now I think about it a little bit more, I would say I say the one Trump the one Trump card there is uh, is facilities. Allianz. We will have that benefit, so, that's true. So yeah. that you know, if you're trying to decide if you want to go play on a Century Link field and on the turf or you wanna play on a natural grass field with and 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 on top of the sort of the facilities, the supporters, like I would throw Minnesota United supporters, um, you know, particularly the Dark Clouds, T and E, Red Loons, all the supporters groups together, um, in the top five in the league in terms of their passion, like what they bring to the game, how sure. loud, you know, they make a, a, a goddamn gigantic bowl of a stadium where there's nothing to keep the sound in. But you get to Allianz, like we're like it, that is a, that's that, that is you can't discount that. And I know, I know that's anybody who's, who's not a soccer fan is like fans. Like you're gonna who's you're, actually you're, coming it, for it, the it's, fans. And it's yeah. actually you know it actually is. And and soccer players talk about this all the time. When you have a a, a loud, passionate fan base who's knowledgeable, who is just you know it, it changes. It can change games. It, you know certainly. All I mean as Liverpool fans, 
when you know when the cop is you know when the the Anfield is dead, you can you can feel it. You can feel it, and the and the players feel it. But when when like on against that Man City, you know Man City on Sunday, <clears throat> when the the cop is rocking, when the rest of the of the stands are rocking, it feeds the players. And I think that is that is the one thing that which is fucking hilarious because it's the one thing I think the team always overlooks when they're trying to <clears throat> when I guess when they're pitching players is that we fall in love with the players on our team. That Jerry, true, yeah. Christian, Miguel, I mean, right. and uh, we fall in love with these players. We fall in love with these players quickly and yeah. passionately. And I think that is the weirdly one. Weirdly at times. And weirdly at times. Yeah. Very weirdly at times. Our passion and, manifests and so itself I think in that, all I think that is, that is one benefit that Minnesota United has. I, I would argue, and I would say I would argue that in terms of fan passion, you know, in Minnesota, around the country, um, in terms of, like, you know, away attendance – we're the we're one of the probably top five fan bases in MLS right now, if if not in the top three with Portland well, and Seattle. Well, and you you know you hear us. Uh, I I think of that away game in Kansas City, us drowning out the sound of the cauldron. P- I, you know, seeing social posts from Kansas City fans who are like, "Where the fuck were the cauldron this yeah. afternoon?" Chicago in section section eight, like they after that game, we we were hanging out, cause waiting for the bus to leave and. People from Section 8 were coming over, just thanking us. Like, yeah, like what we the hell came was in, that? Yeah, yeah. one more. Uh, like, yeah, we came and we drowned them out the entire game, yeah. and that happens all. It happens more often than people we, realize. We take it for granted, but other teams' away support is not doing that. Yeah. I mean, so I mean, I think that so that is, and I I really hope that the that Minnesota United that is something that they're pitching, that they're showing uh, potential, uh, you know. Potential free agents or potential uh, signings that listen. These are these are these fucking crazy people will travel around the goddamn country and yell and sing and cheer for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so and then, and then on top of that, like I said, Allianz is going to be state of the art, probably the best facility for soccer in the in the United States for several years at least. Right, right. So you know that is like sort of the one one thing that we have to offer besides you know just opening the checkbook and writing a big ass check but well those are two those are two really good hooks hopefully and you know what i think we should end the 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 podcast proper on a positive note because there's so much negativity that we could talk about <laughs> okay so, let, we got a couple of questions we're gonna yeah. move on to questions got a few questions uh first one comes from brian hamf uh why does ussf not have their transfer uh in window i apologize i'm clearly cold reading this and brian you need to work on your typing skills why does ussf not have their transfer window open until February 14th. Most leagues start in March, April. Uh, uh, doesn't it need to go until May 8th? End that thing April 15th, and we can overlap with some of the European midseason window. I think he's basically asking, why can't we achieve more overlap with Euro- European trade windows? I, I, I can give you so I'm not yeah. a big, I'm not like a conspiracy theory dude or anything but I can tell you that some of that or at least the limited amount of overlap and stuff like that is probably due to the fact that MLS wants interleague trades they don't want to just be shipping dudes out they want to make it harder for our talent to leave the league and that I think is part of also the reason why they have like for instance MLS pocketing some of the fees when you transfer them out of country versus trade them within the league I know some of that's MLS wanting to pocket the money but I think that tries to encourage interleague trade rather than people leaving the league. I think his, I think his, the crux of his question is why um, can't I think the transfer in window so you can't come into the league until February fourteenth. Um, 
and mo in, in the the window is open. So you so basically like there's the January window for most most of the world, right? right. So you can sign a player, but they can't actually come into the league until after February 14th, which is I think might be the our friends Pengop sort of situation sure, type sure. thing. I think that is his. I think that is his. Like why not just like let the window open in January so people can come straight to their team oh, right, right away. I don't. I could be. I could be wrong if that is. If okay. That is if, not. If, if that's his question, then I don't <laughs> fucking know. I yeah. don't know what the answer is. That's that's a great question. Um, I can yeah. give you USSF's think, handle if but, you want to throw but, that yeah. question in the garbage. Yeah, at USSF at uh, Kyle Martino. Yeah, yeah. Hashtag fuck you, Sunil. Uh, all that. Um, but I think you're right. I think. They. I think they. Ultimately, like the uh, MLS is in USSF is mostly concerned with MLS and they're concerned about like they want to develop American players they want to develop American players they want to develop older American players they don't actually care about young American players it's <laughs> a whole other thing we talked about earlier and I um, do believe they want to retain that talent too. sure yeah um, we had a question from are you good on, on that question I, okay. I, as good as I'm going to be I, mean, yeah, I don't have a good fair. answer for him that's fair uh, question from Colin Solberg uh, a semi some, sometime contributor to the Dave's I know yeah, podcast. Or, uh, job, yeah. Yeah. Does it seem odd that the draft is on a Friday morning? LAFC will pick the first will make the first pick at approximately eight fifteen AM their time. That's I don't know if his question is 10, to emphasize the morning, the Friday. Time. I, I don't think it's weird at all. Well what's a better time it's to have weird it? because last year Well it's out in Philly. So last year Remember the Dark Clouds actually hosted a watch party for the draft yeah, at uh, Up and Herbs over in, in Dinkytown. Um, I believe because the, well the combine was out in LA last year, and so I think it, the draft started at one fifteen their time, so it was like three three fifteen our time. Uh, yeah. So I, I mean I think it's just it, everything's in Philly this year, so. Is is his question mostly just the how early we're talking here? Well, I think he's mostly just like. The fuck MLS and USSF. I don't know. Who, who cares? What's, well, what's the right time to have it on? People get up to watch soccer in the morning all the time. People are at work. A ton of people who are going to be at work anyways are going to be following it online and stuff. They have the opportunity to do that at 8 a.m. or 11 p. or 11 a.m. wherever you are in the country. Yeah, I don't know. Is, what's is, the difference? Is the uh, is the draft uh, televised or is that? It's, it's streamed. Okay. Yeah. Well, cool. So, so yeah, it's 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 not it's not going to be network TV. It's never yeah. going to be a prime time thing. It's never going to get weekend airtime. So, what what really is the difference? Um, okay. So we have a couple of questions from yeah. the Facebooks. I, I put a post on my personal Facebook. Uh, if you don't have that, uh, if you're not friends with me on Facebook um, already, I probably don't want to be friends with you. So I'm not going to tell you what it is. <laughs> um, so. This is a combined question. Uh, if rumors are true, did Arsenal just improve? Um, question mark. Wenger out? Question mark. Um, the rumors. You know, we talked. We talked a little bit about uh, EPL with Liverpool, Man City. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> rumors. Rumors are Alexis Sanchez is moving uh, to Man United. Man United is sending some money and Henrik Mkhitaryan to uh, Arsenal. Uh, and the answer to Wenger out is. Clearly, as a, as a as a Liverpool fan, no. Well, yeah, yeah as a I, Liverpool fan, I love I love Wenger. I love Wenger. Uh, Luke is a uh, is an Arsenal fan. I think he's very upset about Arsenal generally. 
So, um, did our soldiers improve? N no. I mean, you're you're trading Sanchez for McTerry, and you're so you're trading. Well, right? Is that really one, an improvement? One of yeah. the uh, yeah. I mean, not this year, obviously, but you know, last year maybe one of the better players in in the EPL for uh, and and in completely different positions for McTerrian who can be decent like I, I wanted McTerrian for Liverpool when he was back when he was playing with Klopp and Dortmund yeah. and we made an offer for him and we didn't get him I thought he'd been great in, a, in, an, in our system so did you improve no I mean because the other thing the other thing is that Arsenal's not going to spend any of that fucking money now or in the summer <laughs> right, like yeah. who are they going to spend that money on that. right you know and I mean getting Sanchez probably out of your locker room is probably a generally a, a, an improvement just for morale but you know, McTarian's coming in. McTarian doesn't want to go to fucking Arsenal. God no, that's the last thing he wants to do. So, you, no, you did not improve. Um, and then finally, the last question because we're gonna end this on a fun one. <laughs> uh, Luke Craig asks, uh, also on the Facebooks, what's the over under on uh, number one red cards, number two in stadium arrests when Millwall travels to Leeds this weekend? So. Um. Luke is a is a big Leeds fan. Yes, Millwall is there. It's like the it's the the derby for for Leeds. So, what do you think the over under is on red cards and in stadium arrests? So, um, over under on red cards, I'm going to put it at one and a half. Um, I know that. Sound, okay. I know that sounds like a conservative number. Probably not what he was hoping for. Yeah. Um, but. I, I think it's got to be one and a half. In stadium arrests, I'm gonna go with. So here's the. I'm trying to think strategically about this. It's hard to <laughs> I mean, arrest you're, like ten thousand people. You're the bookie, you know? so you got, you're, so you're trying to. Right, set right. So you're, getting, you're getting uh. So you're getting action on both sides. So that, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah so I mean, people I, I, understand my, how for me it's about work. putting it at the right place. Yeah. Not about. Yeah. You want you want right. to get action on both yeah. sides. So I think I think one so, and a half is a good number for red cards because yeah. I think you're, you're gonna you're gonna get people who believe. There be a red card. Yes. There definitely could be two red cards. Right. But not certainly. Yeah, but not certainly, and there may be two red cards on the same team, which is so. I think I think setting it at one and a half is is an actually right. uh, that's a very strategic um, right. Vegas esque move. Uh, so yeah, so but, for in stadium arrests, it's hard to arrest like a thousand people. Um, a lot of times, there's more you arrest people enough enough people to send a message, and enough of the rowdiest people to um, clear out some of the problem. I'm gonna set the over under at seven and a half. Seven and a half in stadium arrest. I All believe right. it could be as high as 140, <laughs> but I believe if I'm so, trying to get people to bet on both sides, so if I'm betting, seven and a half. Okay, well, I'm if you're if you're and setting, that, and that includes now. I want you. I want to be clear about this. If a person is cut in half and then arrested, it's a break even, and everybody gets their money back. <laughs> All right. So I think you. I think you. You bet. You hit the the over under number perfectly. One and a half. I. I mean, I. I don't think I put any money on that one. Um, but seven and a half, I'm gonna bang the over on that one. Okay. I'm gonna bang the over hard. I'm gonna put my future child's uh, uh, savings, like lifetime college savings, everyone, everything I own. I'm gonna bang the hard. Okay. On the over. What do you think is the appropriate one. number of uh, stadium arrests? I would, I would have gone at least, at least eleven, eleven and a half. Eleven and a half, yeah. really? Yeah. But well, only time will tell. Yeah. We'll see. We'll we'll check back in, Luke, and uh, see how many uh, uh, steam arrests and, and how many uh, 
future children that I would not be able to send to college based on uh, right. based on my betting uh, betting prowess. Yeah. How so. many kids you guys choose to have may have just been influenced. Yeah, definitely. Things. Sorry, Anna. Um, <laughs> if, you, if you're listening to this after the Milwaukee Leeds game and we aren't able to have any children, that, <laughs> that's going to suck for us. But <laughs> oh my God. Why don't you tell people where they can find uh, us really absolutely. quick? Absolutely. You can find uh, myself at Texas Eller, Martin at offensive underscore loons, uh, this podcast at TDIKMN. We'd love it if you would rate this podcast, uh, hopefully five stars, one for whatever if you want, but rate hopefully five stars on all your favorite podcasting apps. Uh, if you have any questions, the Dave's I know, mn at gmail.com. I think that's it. I think we I think we did it. Let's pray that this audio is Let's good. Pr- they, pray to God We could have just audio. been talking to nobody right oh, now. I mean, at least I got to drink a beer and talk soccer with you for, that's a for an hour. That's a positive note to end on. All right. <laughs> all right. Hey, we are the Dave's You Know. This has been the Dave's I Know. You do yours, land here, become fecund. Yeah, uh, we, we do yeah. our thing, son. Who the act we attract to, hope to reach one. Uh, we, yeah. we, we do our thing, do it. We do our thing, son. Some will paint a piece, some will spray with a machine gun. It's mad work to be done. We, we, we do our thing, son. We can't do nothing at all. Y'all know we can't do nothing at all.